Welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast. Join host Liz Myers and her guests as they explore resiliency through the lens of personal stories. Tune in weekly for inspiration and doable life hacks to overcome adversity and thrive in life. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by guests of this show are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of Elizabeth or Resilient Life Hacks Ministries. Welcome to the Resilient Life Hacks podcast. I'm your host, Elizabeth Myers, and today I have seven-time author Michaela Cox with me, and she has so much wisdom to share with us about resiliency and overcoming trials of disability and dealing with divorce and death and being a single mom. And so thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, I'm totally excited. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have you here. So tell us a little bit about your story and, and who you are and what you've come through that you you have all this these things to share with us about wisdom. I mean, well, about I, resilience. <laughs> yeah. I like to call it a journey entitled 38 triple D and note that has nothing to do with my physical appearance, except maybe when pregnant, I didn't measure. <laughs> it has to do with lifelong disability of legal blindness since birth. So there hasn't been a day or a breath I've taken that I haven't been disabled. I was divorced at 26 from a very interesting first marriage. That's a whole other conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And story their exes for a reason. Mm. And then I managed after that not long to find the love of my life. And we were together for almost 12 years to the day. And then mm. tragically and unexpectedly in 2017, we lost him. So I lost my husband, the father of my children, became a solo mom in the blink of an eye in one fell swoop second. And we just passed Easter weekend, the four year anniversary. So, mm. wow. Well, I'm sorry for your loss. Thanks. Yeah. So what what have you learned through these times? How are you able to keep going on when one thing after another gets thrown at you? It's not easy. I'm not here to say that I have all the answers or that I'm a miss mm-hmm. know it all or, you know, I, you know, know everything. I, I don't. I'm still learning and growing and figuring things out and traveling, you know, trying to do what I got to do. But what I do have is my message and my story and what I have managed to learn thus far. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't ever stop learning or growing, but we can share along the way what we learn as we go. So that's what I'm here to share. Yeah. I feel like I had to learn a lot of these early in life with being disabled. And so Mm -hmm. what I gained early in life, I kind of had all along that helped me in my future chapters of tribulation and, you know, having to learn how to get over things, not get over things, but, you know, like I'm past them, but like get over the humps of like, what I'm trying overcome to come things. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not saying the Eagle song, like get over it. Not so I'm <laughs> saying, you know, working through them. And so it kind of just fortified and brought home the need of knowing how to do that and the skill set and the toolbox, quote unquote, to say, once I did lose my husband, I've, you know, obviously had an interesting journey that's not the usual. I mean, most Mm -hmm. people, one of those would have been enough. Two of them definitely would be enough. And then three, like, what the crap? Like, who Mm -hmm. does that? Apparently me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, you know, I didn't ask for it. It's just what is what it is. Um, Mm -hmm. Four things that I've been talking about a lot lately is, first and foremost, I believe life life is a choice. It's not always an easy choice. I'm not saying those choices are easy, but at the end of the day, no matter what you're handed, you get to choose what to do with it. Mm. You may not choose what was given to you. Like I didn't choose to be born with a disability. I didn't choose to. Now I did walk away from my first marriage, but I did not choose 
the scenario that caused that to result that way. That was mm-hmm. bad decisions and choices that made it to the point of where it was no longer workable or doable or should be, I don't want to say inhabited, but be in that space, you know, yeah. and keep going in that direction. It was really not working anymore. And I wasn't going to be a part of it. So I had to walk away. Now, did I choose the things that made that happen? No, but I did walk away from it. But mm-hmm. no one goes to the altar saying, yay, we're going to get married and get divorced. No, yeah. no one does. So you don't ever choose that path is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And I definitely didn't choose to, and I wasn't asked if I wanted to lose the love of my life and my father mm-hmm. to my children who were very young at the time. Um, they were six and three. Now they're um, 10 and seven. So they were quite young in life to have such a hard hit. Younger than, not as young as some, but not as young, but younger than most. I like to think of it as you're a card player, whether you're playing poker or hearts or spades or whatever, and you're given a hand that you're dealt that you don't get to necessarily choose what comes out of that deck of cards, but you do get to choose when and how you may play a certain card to hopefully mm-hmm. strategically win that game <laughs> and do well right. in that game. Or if you want to think of it more of an artistic, creative standpoint, because I am an author, think of it, you're hired for a job and you may like working with certain artistic materials like a canvas or wood or, you know, maybe you're more acrylic or oil painting. But the person who hired you said, no, we want this. And that doesn't suit you because it's not your preferred, but they're the boss. So you don't get to necessarily set the terms. So you have to find a way within those set parameters to still make this beautiful art of creation. So you get to choose what you do with that. So that's what I'm saying. I did not choose these circumstances, but I do get to choose what I do within the circumstances of the disability and being divorced and loss of my husband. And I get to decide, do I want to let it define me or do I want to define how I do this? And so I've always chosen to try and define it for myself Now, that has had to look very differently for most people because never mind the divorce and the death of a husband, but the disability in and of itself, oftentimes, once someone who is disabled has chosen the choice to do what they can in life despite being disabled and do the best they can and want to still go and have a successful, thriving, productive life and achieve their goals, they get to make that choice, but oftentimes the parameters of their disability doesn't allow them to have a choice of how they do that. Like you still have to work in the limits of your disability. I may not be able to get around it, but I can, I may not be able to get it out of the way, but I can work around it. So I've oftentimes had to do things differently to do the same things as everybody else. And I've oftentimes had to have thinking outside of the box to accomplish that. Mm -hmm. I had to do things differently. And so that's been helpful. So I had to define it for myself, how I wanted to approach life if that makes any sense. So that's the first big piece for me is that life is a choice. Yeah. So when you come up against something and say, you know, your first temptation might be to say, Oh, oh, I can't do that because I have this limitation. What in in your mindset, how do you, how do you get around that or over that obstacle? Do you not approach it and think I can't do it? You think, how can I do it? Or like, what's your thought process there? That's actually perfect because that leads right into the second piece that I think is very key. There you go great for keying that up. Good job. (laughs) Okay. That was awesome. The next one for me is mindset because I do believe how we think about things, how we approach things or attack things very much. Now we may not be able to control the thoughts or feelings that come into our mind and we are entitled to them. And 
you know, oftentimes we need to process those and look at them and assess them. And that's fine because mm-hmm. that helps us move, you know, move, keep moving on through whatever we're going through. But we get to choose once we've done that. Do we want to stay with the potentially not so good end of the spectrum that may not be as fun or comfortable or, you know, whatever versus, well, okay, maybe I can move towards the, this might actually be okay. I don't know how, but this might be okay. Mm-hmm. Spectrum. We get to choose what we do with those thoughts. And yes, so my approach to life, I was raised with the idea of this. You know, I was born in 1978. And so the medical field is not what it is today. So not that we know everything today, but we know a lot more today than what we did, you know, almost mm-hmm. 45 years ago. Mm-hmm. So there was no really rhyme or reason, medically speaking, that they could give my parents as to why did this, because there was no family history. I'm, I'm it. Mm-hmm. No one has the visual issues that I do in my family for the reasons why I have them. I mean, they're older, so they all wear glasses for normal reasons, yeah. like sighted or farsighted, and they can't read as well, but not mine. Mine is a lot deeper than that. And I can go into that in a minute. But so the doctors did a really good job of scaring my parents like, oh, she won't be able to do this. Mm-hmm. There might be this. And none of that happened, thank God. But they always approached it as like, well, we don't know what she can do. So let's just see what she can do. And as long as she's doing her best and never stops or gives up or quits, then we're good with that. Mm-hmm. And so that's always been my attitude is like, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up and I'm not going to stop. That's not an option. Mm-hmm. I have to do whatever it takes to do what I'm supposed to do and what I feel like I want to do in life and reach my goals and dreams. And quite honestly, just because you tell me, no, you can't do that. Quite honestly, excuse my friends. I'm going to tell you, um, I'm going to do it just to prove your ass wrong. Mm-hmm. And you can hold my beer and sit back and watch. <laughs> yeah. yep. You can either cheer me on or get out of my way, but I'm going to go do this thing. Exactly. Yep. Yes. And by me doing that, it has allowed me. Now, has it been hard? Heck yeah. Has mm-hmm. there been things I've had to figure out? Absolutely. But I still did it. Mm-hmm. And my proof is the fact of what I've accomplished basically was my, uh, you can shove it where the shun don't sign. Well, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've always chosen that mindset. And I can see how that, you know, conquering that sort of thing, even from, from birth, really, and, and bumping up against obstacles or limitations and not giving up and doing your best that carries over then to other things where say you're yeah. not limited by your disability, but you know, maybe there's a sense of fear or there's a sense of, I don't know if I'm good enough or, you know, yeah. those kinds of things that plague all of us. And, and that lesson that you've learned over and over in your life then can carry on to that other area and right. you know how to get around the obstacles and over the obstacles um, in those areas as well. Yeah. 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 So what's your, your third, your next point about after life's a choice and mindset? Yeah. Self-care definitely. And Ah, that's a big one. And a challenge. And I can't speak for guys, but we're women here. So we'll get this next Mm -hmm. thing. You're a mom. So you'll understand Mm -hmm. you. I know I will admit that's not always been easy for me. And I think it's really hard and more challenging for women because we're always doing (laughs) too many things to count and the list is yeah. like way longer than the time in the day or the mm-hmm. week. Okay. We're the moms, we're the wives, we're the girlfriends, we're the coworkers, we're the employees, maybe the boss, we may be the daughter, the daughter-in-law, the, the sister, the aunt, the friend, the whatever, mm-hmm. the leader in something. And so we're always blowing and going and doing. And we always feel like we have to because we want to, because we love these things or these people and we want to do our best for them. But then 
we don't ever stop to do what we need to do for us. Right. And even if we did, we feel guilty about it, which is not. <laughs> I know. I mean, what the yeah. crap? I mean, yeah. it's like, why? I mean, I, I seriously doubt guys feel guilty about taking a break. I mean, but we do. I don't know mm -hmm. why, but we do. And it's just insane. It's literally crazy. But I did struggle with this when I was a young mom because <laughs> I had the brilliant idea. I don't know why. Um, hey, you have an eight-month-old baby girl. You should start grad school. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably not the most intelligent planning on earth. But okay, I survived it. I lived to tell. But so, yeah, when I was a young mom with an eight-month-old, I was going to grad school. My husband was in school, and he was also military. I think we share that in common. Mm -hmm. And I had a young daughter. And then eventually towards the end of my grad program, I had a son. So I had two kids in grad school. Mm. That's still in school, still doing military. And of course, let's not forget the disability, which right. means school is, while I'm good at it, is extra hard and mm -hmm. takes a lot longer. So, you know, I didn't have readers in grad school like I did in college. So I was doing this on my own with kids at home. So mm -hmm. <laughs> kind of interesting there. And so I never really felt like I had a lot of time. Yeah. I, mean, when I got out of grad school in 2016. I got 20 to 50 hours back in my work week. That's not a job. That mm -hmm. was school work. That is someone's full-time job. That is my job when I'm in school. That is right. absolutely all I do. So I, there was a lot of times where I felt very torn between, okay, I need to be cleaning house, but this paper's due and the kids need something that I'm like, okay, if I'm not doing schoolwork, I need to be doing housework. And if I'm not doing housework, I need to be doing schoolwork. And, ah, you know, very mm -hmm. frayed and just tethered and just like going at the seams apart of like five years. And so I did not take a lot of time for self-care because I really felt like I didn't have time for it. I mean, I hate to admit it, but I think there was a time where I probably went a good 10, 10 to 12 days without a really good bath. I mean, I like quick shower to make, you know, mm -hmm. feel humane, but there was no soaking in the tub for now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, cause I couldn't. And so, but as I've gotten further along in my life's journey, especially more so particularly after 2017 when my husband passed i learned the value of self-care and for anyone who may be out there who's traveling the grief the journey of grief and loss i can tell you this for a fact how you manage to find your way in your grief journey and how well you find your way in your grief journey absolutely comes down to self-care because grief will make you do self-care whether you want to or not there is no not doing self-care anymore. Well, mm -hmm. actually there is, but you're probably going to end up on your butt. Yeah. I, I tried that for a while and I did. I, I, I eventually just cracked under it. It, My body and my spirit and everything broke down and says, no, you you will make taking care of yourself a priority exactly. or you're not going any further. Exactly. And I like to think of it as we're a well, okay, of water and we're, we can have a very deep well of water, but there's only so much capacity. And if you're always pouring out and making drinks for everybody else to give out water mm -hmm. to everybody, you're eventually going to run out to give if you're not putting mm -hmm. something back in. Yeah. Now, I don't really care what that is, how you're putting it back in. Because to me, self-care can be very broadly defined as anything focused on the idea of caring for oneself. Mm -hmm. uh, prayer. I don't care if it's meditation. I don't care if it's working out. I don't care if it's shutting the door to the world and tell, and tell them to leave me alone and don't enter the door and mm -hmm. open the door at the risk of your own life right now, mm -hmm. like bath time, music, just going out with friends, whatever that is. I mean, I know for me, as I was a young mom, self-care for me was leave me the crap alone for five minutes. Let mm -hmm. me pee in peace. Let me eat in <laughs> peace. I don't yeah. care. Go, go away. I love mm -hmm. you, but go away. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
Now, my kids are older, so that's not as imperative. Now, what I prefer to do now for self-care is I like going out with my girlfriends on the weekend, okay? Mm -hmm. You're getting a babysitter tonight. Mm Bye-bye. So it tends to change by what we need in life and what phases we're going through. So self-care can be anything. I I do lots of different things for my self-care, but I now know, and I'm not going to feel as guilty about it as I used to. I'm doing self-care when I need it because believe me, whatever you think is can't be waited on to be attended to it ain't going nowhere Mm -hmm. there is no fairy godmother wand that makes the laundry go away or the dishes go away or the whatever go away it's still gonna be here whenever you be there your self-imposed self-care time yes i don't care it ain't going nowhere unfortunately it's gonna be here yeah and it can wait the world will come crashing down around you i promise yeah and i struggled with what you mentioned too of when i tried to make self-care a priority at first just feeling guilty about it Until I realized I really am a better mom when I take care of myself first, or I'm a better wife or a better friend or a better anything. If I take care of just even my most basic needs first, like you mentioned, just going to the bathroom by myself. (laughs) It's not selfish because to me, when I do self-care, either for a few minutes or a long time or whatever my day allows for, my life allows for, depending on what's going on, it can keep us centered, focused. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and have better responses. To, it goes back to your first point of we can choose how we respond to things. Right. If I'm taking care of myself and, and filling up my tank where I have needs, then I can respond more kindly and compassionately to other things that life throws at me rather than snapping at people. And Because right, you know. you've been reset. You've mm-hmm. kind of rejuvenated and refueled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not selfish. We're actually a better person that we want to give to our loved ones than when we do. So. Mm-hmm you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. So what, what is it like? Give us a glimpse into the day of the life of, you know, you're a single mother and you have a, a disability with limited vision, and blind, illegal blindness. How does that work? I mean, to me, just being a mom in and of itself is such a huge task, but to be a single mom and a legally blind mom, that just seems overwhelming to me to even hear about that. How does that work for you? Well, first of all, I, it is, it can be, and most people go like, what the crap? Like, what you, you do? Yeah, I do it. Mm-hmm. And the legal blindness, it is an issue. Don't get me wrong, but it's my norm. Cause like I said, I came to this mm-hmm. world that way. I never, I don't have anything to compare it to. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. just what I do. You mm-hmm. know, I've had almost 43 years to figure things out and come up with systems. So mm-hmm. organization and memorization and having structure is my best friend. Mm-hmm. Chaos is not my friend. I don't yeah. like it. I'm very mm-hmm. much a type A, ducks in a row, you know, perfectionist a little mm-hmm. bit, OCD. Things go much smoother in my world, and I'm a lot happier person mm-hmm. when I have things in place. Um, and the main issue for me with the legal blindness is I can't drive. Legal blindness and driving don't mix. That's not mm-hmm. a good idea. Yeah. Not good. Don't want that. And I, it takes me longer to do things. So I, like, pay people to help take me places, or I rely on girlfriends. Mm-hmm. or friends or family sometimes. So, you mm-hmm. know, I, it just takes a lot more planning in a lot of ways. I would say the solo parenting has been more challenging. Yeah. Because when you're used to having a partner and then all of a sudden it's in like literally like the night that it happened, we said, hi, love you. I'll see you when you get home tonight. And within a second at nine o'clock on the East Coast at the time, because I was living in New Hampshire, you find out your husband's dead, you're a widow and you're a solo mom in a blink of an eye. Mm. That's a little more jolting to the system. Definitely. Yeah. You know, that wasn't always a part of my way of working. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've had a little taste of, of single motherhood when my husband's been deployed for six months, but yeah. you know, I know eventually he's coming back. Uh, yeah. You know, at least that's the plan anyway. Um, <laughs> right. 
So obviously, I mean, just a, such a radical shift in such a exactly. short amount of time. I, that's, you know, got to be send you reeling and be difficult to overcome yeah. and to pick up and move on. You know, it's just be like, oh, my goodness, how am I going to do this? I was worried about that. And I was worried about with the disability because I always knew I had John was my husband to back me up and like mm -hmm. pick up black. But then I was like, so I was worried about it. But then, like you said, a lot of the things I learned when I could finally stop for a minute and actually have my head screwed on straight and not swirling and whirling from the, all that comes with that journey. Mm -hmm. But, and think for a minute, like, okay, I'll figure this out just like I have before. It might be more challenging. It might be more difficult with the added, but mm -hmm. do what we have to do because mm -hmm. it's not an option not to do what I have to do. And mm -hmm. I had kids. And so as a mom, you definitely have to do what you have to do and I just yeah. do it and make it work. And yeah, I think that's true. I think motherhood sometimes makes us braver. You know, things that we won't do for ourselves, we'll do for the sake of our kids. Right. I agree. And we keep, keep going. How has your faith played a role in all of this? Oh, definitely. I've been a Christian, a believer since I was like five years old. So more of my life than not. And I don't remember much of my life before because who remembers much before they're five? Anyway, you yeah. know, <laughs> so that's kind of always been there too as well. I was raised in a Christian home and, you know, I did predominantly um, private Christian school, most of my education prior to college. So, you know, do the church thing, you know, Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights, you know, all the things, especially if you're, you know, in the South and in the Bible Belt, it's, you know, not that there's anything wrong when you're not, but it's mm -hmm. more it's just different, you know, anyone yeah. who knows what I'm talking about. It's part of the uh, lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I have always been a believer and I've always believed. Now, I can't say that the last few years haven't made not that I stopped believing per se it was just kind of made more things challenging and I've been doing a little bit of arguing <laughs> I knew I wouldn't yeah. win but I've been arguing so yeah I'm not I, I, I went through that phase too arguing yeah. with God yep so I'm not saying that I haven't that I don't still believe or that that was ever different in the last four years it's just it's been very different and challenging and has really put things through the fire of it yeah. you know what I mean? yeah. it's just i don't know well i think we, when we have those times where we kind of wrestle with god over things a bit it he moves us into a deeper relationship and a deeper understanding through that experience you know even though it's hard and even though it's painful and we're like you know is god really loving is he really there but you know when we when we dig down and really don't shy away from those questions but search for the answers. I feel like he, he just continues to draw us closer, right. you know, even in the midst of our uncertainty. Yeah. It's definitely been challenging and there's been some, it's just been a different type of journey regard related mm -hmm. to my life over the last four years mm -hmm. as opposed to years before it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned that, uh, you know, you, you get a lot of help from family and friends. And I, that's another thing I think women in general tend to struggle with is asking for help or even just receiving help when people offer. What advice do you have to give to moms in particular about getting help from others when we need it? I kind of got over that one personally a long time ago because with a disability, you kind of have to. Mm -hmm. So I kind of had to learn how to do that and be okay with it a long time ago. So that mm -hmm. was as much as a struggle. And I knew I didn't have a choice in the sense of I wouldn't be able to do as well for my kids if I just assumed I'd be able to do it all on my own, but I can't mm -hmm. do it all because I can't drive. So mm -hmm. there's that. So I kind of mm -hmm. knew that was going to be not just a part of my life now, but more uh, broadened and expanded than what it already was anyway. Mm -hmm. so it's been there for me. Yeah. 
yeah. disability. Well, that's great that you have that support system available and that you're able to, well, to lean on those people. Moved back to Louisiana from New Hampshire. I mean, I had mm-hmm. some in New Hampshire, don't get me wrong, but I had a broader one in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Makes I'll sense. I made a cross country move back to Louisiana. You know, I can't stand it geographically. <laughs> So I'm amazed with everything you've got going on. You were a seven-time published author, and I was reading through some of your books, and they're a wide variety of topics. So tell us a little bit about your books. You have poetry and stuff on America, stuff on being a mom, stuff on faith. So share with us a little bit about what you write and why you write it. Um, I've always written. I don't ever remember not writing. It just comes out of me whether I want it to or not. I was even writing when I was a kid. It's just who I am. It's what I do. When I'm not writing and thinking about it, I usually have more than one project going on. No, I can't just do one thing. You should have heard what I did in grad school and undergraduate. (laughs) Make your head spin. Always busy. I usually have two or three projects going at once. So as far as what I write, I get inspiration from a lot of different places. For better or for worse, my newer stuff of like the motherhood and faith and America stuff really came out of in 2006 when I was still in Louisiana. I was came to the party a little bit late of a show that I like to watch that maybe I should or shouldn't, but whatever, of Sex in the City. I love that show. And for anyone in your audience who knows what I'm talking about, the main character played by Sarah Jessica Parker, Carrie Bradshaw, she was a columnist in New York. And she would write on her various topics that interest her and kind of her passions about dating and men and women and our culture and, you know, gender roles and gender identity and romance and love and sex, um, <laughs> you know, and all that mm-hmm. whole world. So I thought to myself, wait a minute, if she can write about her interests and passions and, you know, what really gets her going and inspires her on those topics in like short columns or articles, why couldn't I do that on religion and things that kind of light my fire? And then when I became a mom on motherhood and then when I got my degree, masters on politics on politics so it kind of stemmed from that and what I like Mm. to do with those books is I like to have kind of a light clever humorous perspective on it because I think people find that easier to take and more inviting and easier Mm to be one to dive into and I like to present things that I've observed and experienced and reflected on that I thought were interesting like hey let's put this out there and get a conversation started and start a dialogue about this interesting topic Mm -hmm. I like food for thought yeah yeah so if there's a a listener that wants to get introduced to your writing is there a particular book you'd recommend starting with or does it if it's just if you're interested in motherhood go here and if you're interested in we the people go here yeah definitely yeah well, it, it's been really great talking to you. Can you tell our listeners where they can get a hold of you, find out more about you online? Yeah, I'm on, on Amazon. All of my books are on Amazon. And then I have a website called myheartfeltmeditations.com that has all the things, but I am on Facebook and I am on Instagram. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I will put all those links in the show notes so that people can just click on over there immediately. But for those who are maybe driving or, or doing something else and don't have the links right now, it's good to, to say those out loud so that they can connect with you. Cause I'm sure that, you know, other people out there will be inspired by your story and will want to learn more from you and hear more of what you have to say. And I have a lot of projects going this year. This year is very much the year of sequels. Okay. Now that I've established most of my series, except for the one I'm writing right now, which will be my, as of now, until my brain <laughs> more projects before I do yeah. Done that I have to do. I'm like, shut up, brain. I love you, but go away. Let me yeah. finish them first, please. Dear God, I have enough to do. Um, <laughs> that aside, 
aside from the one that I'm writing on right now, mm-hmm. I'll have my series established. So now it's, okay. just about, you know, the sequels, like religious book two, the follow-up to the one I did, not children's book, but book written for my kids. And mm-hmm. then three in the fall. And then in 2022, it'll be the next political one. And in the beginning of 22, it'll be the second religious one. So it's follow-up, you know, just okay. and just keep writing the titles. Cause yeah. I have stuff, like a lot of the ideas I got came in grad school and I was writing for professors and mm-hmm. I couldn't write my stuff. So I just saved them and like started planning them out afterwards. Yeah. 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 There you go. That works. So what's the, the new topic that you're starting on? What is that topic? Uh, this one is going to be called now I see, um, a lifelong journey of learned lessons. It's really the first mm-hmm. one about what it was like to go through lifelong disability and divorce and mm-hmm. um, you know death of my spouse. So I'll touch on those 38 triple D in this book. And then the series will dive, the, the following books will dive much more in depth to each subject, particularly the, uh, the journey of being a widow and a solo mom. So that's probably going to be a five or six book series, but the first one's just kind of an overall into Michaela's life of now mm-hmm. I which is where it came from because now I see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I've started a community group on Facebook for those who travel the journey of <laughs> love, loss and grief and life. So, mm. Yeah. Well, that will be a comfort to many people, I'm sure. So they can connect with you there in that group. But thank you so much for sharing with us today. I've enjoyed hearing more of your story and you're such a prolific writer. It's like, I don't know which book to start with because <laughs> they all sound good. So thank you for sharing your story with us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been a joy. You have been listening to Resilient Life Hacks with Liz Myers. The opinions, beliefs, and viewpoints expressed by the guests of this show are their own and do not necessarily reflect those of Elizabeth or Resilient Life Hacks Ministries. To learn more and download your free guide to Liz's top 20 Resilient Life Hacks, go to resilientlifehacks.com. Subscribe now so you never miss the life hacks you need to live the life you want. Thank you.